Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. All phone lines are open. You have tuned in to Calvary Live, coming to you from the studios here in Aurora, Colorado, a Denver suburb, home of Grace FM at Calvary Church in Aurora, Give me a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. That's everyone listening on Hope FM and Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio, and our friends on Radio by Grace Network. We're grateful. Man, I'm telling you, I have seen such an increase uh, of response uh, in my to our radio teaching and to our uh, Calvary Live. And I answer all my email, so if we offer up resources, uh, like today, my email box, I must have mentioned it on the program, maybe the podcast, I'm not sure, but discipleship um, uh, packet, I got a lot of emails this morning I answered, sending out that discipleship material, uh, and uh, I do answer my email, and I'd love to communicate and um, minister to you, so give me a call here on the program, or you can always email. Maybe discipleship material is actually what you've been looking for. Email me directly at ed at edtaylor.org, E-D-T-A-Y-L-O-R, edtaylor.org. It has to be .org, can't be .com. .com is owned by a professional Santa Claus. We actually reached out to Santa and asked him to sell his domain, and Santa was being a little greedy and wanted six figures. Yes, he wanted six figures for his domain. And we said, no thank you, unless six figures were just six quarters. No, I'm just kidding. We said, no, there's no way. I mean, sorry, Santa, you can keep the domain, and uh, we'll keep .org. But that's how you get a hold of me, and it is a little bit of a joke. The guy became super famous. He wasn't famous like five years ago, but he became super famous during covid he was doing like $200 visits online, FaceTime or whatever, Zoom. Unbelievable. But you can email me directly, uh, ed at edtaylor.org. I also write at edtaylor.org, my website. Uh, and of course, the teaching ministry and uh, the opportunity to serve here is calvaryco.church. And on top of all that, we just redesigned our website and our app, gracefm.com gracefm.com. You should get the app of the station you're listening to so you can stay in touch with local radio. You should also support financially local radio. We, um, we encourage you to do that. Would you, would you do that? Uh, would you make a commitment to support your local Christian radio? The one you're listening to this on, go to the website um, and support them. Uh, if you're here on Grace FM, of course, support us, Hope FM, Truth FM. I'm going to keep asking uh, because we, um, you may not know this, but we're church-owned stations. We're not professionals. We're not engineers uh, for the most part. I mean, Brother Bill is in Hope FM, but um, he still runs it from his church there in Marlton. And, 
you know, we have a passion for getting the Word of God out, and our churches are committed uh, to providing radio uh, to you. So take advantage of it uh, and support us. Would you? Any amount matters, small or large. Even if you, especially if you choose to do it monthly, you can just set it up to recur. Go to our website if you're on Grace FM. We've started a new Grace Partner package, uh, and we'd love to have you just join on uh, monthly and support us. Uh, and we aren't afraid. The Bible says, well, the Bible doesn't say this, but the principles there, where God guides, he provides. And Pastor Chuck Smith taught us that. And uh, the reality is, is that he provides through his people and through their faithfulness. 303-690-3000, starting here in Colorado Springs. A welcome to the program. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I listen to you all the time. and love your ministry. Thank you for what you do. I have a question about Matthew chapter 2, and it seems that, you know, God establishes patterns of how he, and manners of how he teaches and so forth. And in Matthew 2, I think it's verse 13, he talks about, he called the son out of Egypt so that the Old Testament prophecies might be proven true, that he called the son out of Egypt. And you go back to Hosea, there it is, prophesying and it's both an allusion to Israel coming out of Egypt, but also Jesus coming out of Egypt. And then you go on down that chapter to 23, and it says uh, Jesus will be called a Nazarene as to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies. There is no Old Testament prophecy that talks about Jesus being a Nazarene or coming from Nazareth or anything like that. Nor is there any reference in any of the apocryphal books, uh, the Maccabees. Uh, even I went through the book of Enoch. I can't find any reference of any, even historical books where it talks about Jesus being a Nazarene. Yeah. It's just they are nasty. So it just seems to defy God's way of teaching. All this gives you one example. You go right back to the Old Testament, there it is. And it gives it 10 verses later. Here's another example. And you go back to the Old Testament, there's nothing there. You know what I mean? Well, there's, it's not quite nothing. Um, you're right that there... It, you're, there's a challenge of finding a one-to-one correspondence of even a modified quote of an Old Testament. But there are some theories, biblically, where this could fit uh, in the sense of it is fulfilling uh, the Old Testament. Uh, so consider uh, a couple of theories. And one is, is that this is referring to the fulfillment, Jesus fulfilling the Old Testament law, of which the Nazarite vow uh, would be a part of that. That's a weak argument, but it's a possibility. Second one, uh, and this is probably the most common one, is the Nazareth comes from the basic Hebrew word netzer, or branch, and many prophets spoke of Messiah as being the branch, Isaiah 11, Jeremiah 23, uh, 33, Zechariah 3. And then another one that's interesting <clears throat> in this reference in Matthew 2.23 is that uh, the city of Nazareth, where Jesus, we know, lived, was a despised place. We know that, remember Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Uh, And therefore, him being a Nazarene was a term of scorn, uh, which again, Jesus is spoken of as being despised and rejected by men in Isaiah 53 or Psalm 22. So I would agree that there's a challenge here in finding a one-to-one correspondence of an exact or a modified quote of the Old Testament, but the reference or the fulfillment of that reference could certainly be one of these three. I, I lean toward the final one, you know, the place where he was born, the reality of where he's from, the reputation of that city— 
Um, but any one of them could fit. Oh, I'm sorry. Your um, your cell phone your cell phone was really bad. Give us a call back or thanks for calling. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Again, these are great questions and and these are this is uh, what Larry's speaking of in Colorado Springs, it, this is the process of biblical interpretation. And while we may not put the labels on it, uh, this what, what Larry is doing is exactly the process we were taught in, in a methodology known as, as inductive Bible study. Reading the text, then interpreting the text, and the process of interpretation is to ask these questions. Where is this? Look for it, Scripture interpreting Scripture, uh, the context, uh, the words, looking up at the original language, and then from the questions asked, then your answer will develop where you fall in the interpretation. And one of the resources I was using for this question with Larry, one of the resources uh, that you should add, you have to buy it used, um, but you should add it to your library if you guys are using Logos Bible software. It's a part of the package, um, but it, it is, or you can buy it electronically. Um, but if you want the paper version, it's called When Critics Ask. When Critics Ask from Norm Geisler. And uh, he, at, this is, he's using, I have it, <clears throat> I have it open in front of me. And these were the three options uh, that he offers in that book, When Critics Ask. Uh, super powerful tool that I've been using since I was a new believer. And the reason I like this tool is, is that he not only, Norm Geisler, not, is, is a, he's, he went home to be with the Lord now, but he's a modern-day um, apologist, philosopher, Christian philosopher, unbelievably uh, intelligent man, and he also answers the questions at the same time teaching critical thinking. Um, and I've always appreciated that. He's helped form my critical thinking. So it's so good. 303-690-3000. Rod in Denver, Colorado. Welcome to the program. <clears throat> hey, Rod. Hi. Can you hear me? I can hear you now, yes. Okay. How's it going? It's going great. Um, What's up? I have a situation where I work for a small uh, sign company, uh, illuminated sign company, and we have an employee that has a serious alcohol problem. And it's gotten to a point where, you know, it's, it's not really safe or productive to have him working, but um, we're, you know, we're, we're believers and strong in our faith, and yeah. we don't want to like, turn our back on him and, and see him, you know, get, you know, die or, or anything like that. So I guess my question is, like, where do we draw a line to where we can still help him but not also endanger, like, the rest of the employees or the company's, you know, bottom line as far as, like, Business. Sure. I think you start backwards exactly as you were as you were thinking, you know, life is the most important. We value life. So we want others and him to be in the safest place possible. <clears throat> and there, there's really no mercy on this in, in relation to saving others' lives. Like you, you know, he can't be in a he can't be in a position of work under the influence. That's 
There's just no other way around it. Can't be in a car. Uh, can't can't be in the office, right? So, well, we'll just take them off the road and and we'll give them an office job. But now we're encouraging them to drive in drunk, right? And and so sitting down with him with the company policies, uh, being fair and honest and equitable with him under the banner of maintaining human life and making the decision his, not yours. It's his decision. Does he want to walk? You know, and perhaps you guys have the resources as a company to find some re, um, live live in rehab for him, and offer to pay for it, or often to pay for half of it, or like meet him where he's at, and <clears throat> and provide some tools for him to work on this in a very practical way. But but you can't. Uh, if I was in your shoes, I'm an employer as well as a pastor. You know, part of the leadership here. Um, I believe we're a very gracious ministry, but in some areas, there's no mercy. It's a one strike. You you. You can't you can't be in a position where you could harm other people um, and get yourself right. And we could talk about um, we could talk about you know you coming back. We could talk about grace and second chances. Uh, but we're not going to allow anyone to be in a position where they could harm, hurt, or even kill anyone because of their bad habits habits that they've chosen not to deal with. Okay, no, I, I like what you're saying. I totally agree. I just wanted to. Hear from somebody else besides. I know. Just in my own head, I guess. It's hard, man. I mean, I, I get it. I get the. It's a hard situation because it's. I, I can tell you care, uh, and I think that this isn't this. This is a manifestation of expressing that care and concern for him and for others, and 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 like valuing as an employee. I mean, we've had situations here where you know there's been behaviors and situ- and things that have happened in people's lives where we've had to make a hard decision. But at the same time, not now doesn't mean not forever. And if if you've got to deal with something or maybe there's some disqualifying thing that we got to deal with, well, we have to deal with it because we, we've got to deal with it now. But we don't know what the future holds. There's great. God loves to restore. Uh, he loves to rebuild. Um, but, man, we're, we're wanting to, we, we, just like you already know, you, you want to protect life. That's, that's the highest value on the planet Earth. And work your way backwards from that. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Bless you, man. Bye-bye. Father, I pray for my brother Rod as you um, give him wisdom. It's hard. I pray for the person he's speaking about uh, and the need for sobriety. I know that everything changed in my life um, when I was born again and at the same time sober. Like, God, you, I want to thank you publicly for my sobriety now for 30-plus years. And what a great life it is to live with a clear mind. Uh, and thank you, God, for your daily empowerment to stay strong in you by grace. And I pray for this brother. He would sober up. And if he is in need of salvation, God, that's the bigger problem, right? That's the bigger issue. And I pray for my brother who's his employer. Give him wisdom. And give him a, a, a strength, supernatural strength to deal with this in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000 is the number. Got wide open lines, very rare. So take them while you got them, 303-690-3000, or text me, 720-336-0897. Hey, we're going to be at service tonight here at Calvary, 7 p.m. We're at Hampton and Tower, Southeast Aurora, We just started a verse-by-verse study through the book of Genesis. 
a great complement to our weekend studies and verse by verse in the book of Acts. Uh, in you know, the last couple of years have been very challenging, but our church is healthy, it is strong, it is growing. We are ever more committed to the Word of God. We are ever more committed to being in a place where we can gather together as the saints, um, and we are committed, and even with fresh new commitments of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in using our church and reaching our community, and you are invited. And you know by now that we are partial to the Calvary Chapel family of churches. That's a part of the family we're in. We're not saying we're the best or we're the only. We're just saying that's who we are, uh, and we're committed uh, to a philosophy of ministry and how we serve the Lord. So I'd encourage you to find a Calvary Chapel local to you. Um, Go to your website of your radio station and connect with the local radio station for church recommendations. For us here in Colorado, you can go to gracefm.com. We have a list of churches we we are in fellowship with throughout the Colorado region, uh, especially here in the Denver metro area. <clears throat> and of course, you want to be in a healthy church. Uh, you, you've tuned into a healthy radio station. Now you need to be in a healthy church. Uh, and you may already be in one. You might be in a Baptist church. You might be in a Nazarene church. You might be in an Assembly of God church. There's a lot of great churches. Find one and plug in and be a part of what God's doing in these last days. Uh, so give me a call. The phone lines are open. I see no flashing lights. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Text question. And by the way, the text line is 720-336-0897. If someone asks you to call them by pronouns that aren't the gender God gave them, how do we as Christians respond to that? Well, we as Christians respond to that in a couple of different ways. First of all, I think prayerfully, and second of all, I believe we respond carefully, uh, because it is such a tender, um, what's the word, uh, inflammatory, personal, open room for personal offense and anger and everything, and the situation is so sensitive that we want to be prayerful and careful. I believe it is not possible to call a person by another gender other than the gender that they are. I don't believe I could do that. I haven't been uh, placed in that position specifically yet, but I don't believe I can do that. Um, I do believe, and many people have given me some upset email and anger with me, I do believe that I could call them whatever name they want, Uh, I don't think I would have a problem with uh, calling them a name because a name is a name. People can adopt whatever name they want. They can, you know, I think of all the interesting ways people want to describe themselves verbally. But when it comes to gender, um, you know, that I don't, I can't be dishonest. So calling somebody a name, just saying this is what I want you to call me. I don't think that's being dishonest. I'll I'm pretty much could call you. I mean, if you wanted me to call you, like if you changed your name to some curse word or the F word or something, I couldn't say that, obviously. But like, you know, if you wanted, if there was a, if, if, if the relationship could continue by me honoring your desire for that name, I could do it. But when you want me to lie and be dishonest, I can't participate in that. Um, I, I can't. And I would hope in my, um, in my uh, unwillingness to meet them at that place because Paul said he became all things to all people, so like so that he might win the more. 
that's a pretty challenging statement because I don't know that we could, if I was writing a letter to someone, I, I couldn't say that. I have not become all things to all people. Um, of course, I don't think that's a general statement. He didn't meet every single person in the planet Earth. Um, so he became every single problem in the planet Earth. He's referring to his pe- to who he experienced and the people that God brought into his life. So this person that God has brought into your life for you to pray for them and be careful in how you relate to them. But here's what I don't think is, uh, I can say this definitively, I don't think flipping out, I don't think calling them names, I don't saying, oh, this woke culture or this, you know, whatever names you're, I don't think that's going to be productive. I don't think it's going to be helpful for the gospel. I don't see an example of Jesus ever doing that. Uh, the only time Jesus got a, a fire within him was toward the religious hip- hypocrites that uh, that were trying to represent God, but were misrepresenting him. Um, and so I get these emails, well, I can't believe it. What kind of you compromiser? No, oh, come on, man. I'm not a compromiser. Um, if you, you saying that about me knows you don't even know me. Um, I'm trying to help you. And I'm anticipating somebody emailing me, but I have answered this before and people have gotten mad at me that I'm going to be prayerful and careful, but I also want to respect as believers, there are lines to be drawn. I know there are certain like your line within the realm of this decision is may not be my line, and I respect that. But I do know this, nothing is accomplished by calling names. Nothing is accomplished by demeaning someone. Um, nothing is accomplished with associating a human being with a political agenda or a human being with a political movement. They may or may not agree with that. They may be in pawns in their own political. They may be confused, uh, wondering, maybe hurt as a child, uh, a thousand different things. But now they're a part of a larger group that the group is using them as a pawn. Uh, and they're just wrestling with their identity or um, whatever it might be. Uh, so I do think we need to hold to a biblical standard. I do think we need to use the Word of God to identify sinful sexual behavior. And I think we need to be just as consistent in the homosexual uh, community as we are in fornication, idolatry, living together before you get married. Um, how, I mean, that that's a prominent sin in the church. Uh, you know, I have a partner and we live together and maybe we'll get married one day. You know, you're supposed to avoid every form of evil. You're not married. You're, you, you, you don't live like you're married without the commitment and eyes of God. On and on, right? So you just have to be prayerful and careful. And there's no need for you to compromise. There's no need for you to go against your conscience. But there's also no need for you to flip out, be upset, uh, call names, um, you know, be respond in the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words that you need. Um, but I know I could not be deceptive. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number. Got a wide open line. Text question. Do the promises of Israel have to be just for ethnic Jews, or can they be for all believers in Jesus? i.e. the 144,000, Rahab and Ruth were not ethnic Jews, but were grafted into the Jewish nation. Well, that's a great question, and it's a, uh, I think it's answered best by identifying the uh, people groups salvifically that God identifies in the Scriptures. Number one would be the ethnic Jews. That is a distinct group of people that stand um, by themselves on their own, and there are promises that are made 
directly to that distinct group of people that do not carry over anywhere else. So the answer is, promises for Israel have to be just for ethnic Jews? Yes, number one. Number two, we have a, a, an identity of, of a group of people known as the Gentiles, and the Gentiles uh, have their own uh, consequences for their lack of faith in Jesus Christ. These would be non-Jews, and these would be men and women who have not um, found, not, not um, become Jews, not come, not not enter in to the Jewish nation by uh, receiving the covenant and and being uh, brought in by faith among the Jews. I, the word is slipping me right now. I can't remember the word, but maybe it'll come to me in the in the break. Um, the final group are, are that's identified salvifically how God deals with his people is the church. And the church will be those men and women, both Jew and Gentile, that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ so that there are distinct promises to the church, the covenant of grace. There are distinct promises to the Jewish people. And then, of course, when you talk about the grafting, you have the final promises that apply to all groups in the millennial period. Jew and Gentile alike will enjoy those promises. Uh, but, for example, the promise of the land that's be given to Israel is not a promise to the Gentile or the church. It's a promise for the children of Israel, like May 14, 1948, Israel is rebirthed as a nation in one day, like Isaiah prophesied. And as he promises to bring his Jewish people back to the homeland, that too is being fulfilled through Aliyah uh, today. And it is unique to the ethnic Jew, yes. So you just got to look through. And, and when, you think of, when you think of promises, for example, you could take a third... Here's another way of looking at the scriptures as well. You can take a promise like a land to ethnic Jews and think, but in how much more does a promise like that apply in Christ? And how much more land, you know, God promises the believer the world. Uh, and the only purposes of the promises to the ethnic Jews is to bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. As you read through in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, by the end of the age, uh, Israel, those that confess will be believers, and of course, all Israel that confesses will be believers, and and God will bring us together as he has thus far in the church. So it just really depends. Um, for example, another one is a great one, and a great question is like, um, Paul, or excuse me, Jeremiah writes, I know the thoughts I think towards you, good, not evil. Uh, you think, man, that's such a great promise, I receive it, but you have to receive it by application not interpretation, because it's not a promise to the believer. Uh, it's a promise to the Old Testament believer. It's a glorious, beautiful promise, and it's a, it's a promise to a particular group that's in exile under great bondage. And you go, well, how, then that can never apply to anyone else. No, by application it can, because if in the Old Covenant there was God had a plan and a purpose, if the Old Covenant God had a work that he was accomplishing, how much more through the blood of Jesus Christ, um, in the blood of Jesus Christ, how much more now in the new covenant are we experiencing the promises of the old covenant? But, but you are correct. There are specific promises to specific people groups 
along the way in the plan and purposes of God that eventually are consumed or or swallowed up in the fulfillment of all promises um, in Christ. Every promise in Christ is yes and amen, the Bible says. Great, great question. Proselyte, thank you. That's the word. Perfect. Thank you texting it in. Oh, I, I, you, know, you get stuck on these live radio projects. Like, I can't but remember. I do that in the pulpit too. I like there's a word. It's right there. I can feel it. I want to grab it. The word is proselyte. Thank you. 303-690-3000. Number is uh, numbers calling. Um, thanks for calling. Thanks for being a part of the show. We got a second half coming up and an open line. 303 303- 690 3000, 303 690 3000. Text me 720 336 0897. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303 690 3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the second half of today's program. You're tuned in to Calvary Live. And yes, on the Radio by Grace Network and Grace FM, it is live. It comes to you right here from the studios in Aurora, Colorado, on the Grace FM radio network. And we want to welcome everyone listening on Hope FM and Truth FM uh, Higher Rock Radio and others around the country, even around the world, we want to welcome you. We see some of you guys tuned in in London. Uh, we are grateful that you're listening for there and uh, grateful to be a small part of the uh, huge work that the Lord is doing in your life. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to go out to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the program. Is it Gentile? Yes. Welcome to the program. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so my question is, how do I communicate to my husband things that I may see um, that happen or that's going to happen or that, you know, trouble that could come based on certain things that we may not be doing together? And then, you know, communicate that, or do I just be quiet because he gets annoyed um, most of the time when I say certain things to him about things that I kind of feel are we're moving in that direction? Well, that's a great question. You know, I think it's a little bit larger than what a radio program can, can offer to you. Are you guys in a local church? We are not. Okay. Um, do you go to a church? I'm not in person anymore. Okay. Um, I've just listened to the radio. I'm always listening to Hope FM. And Good. I have, um, I read my words. Um, I do study. I do have friends that I fellowship with. Okay. Not many. But, um, and that's the other thing. Um, you know, it's, we were going through a issue in our marriage where he had an affair with someone, and I just found out about it as we were arriving to our vacation resort over the holidays. And we chose to work through it. Um, and, you know, I said that I forgave him, but it's hard to kind of yeah. 
um, not think about everything. Of course. But at the same time, I kind of saw this happening before it did. So, and I, uh, you know, expressed that to him um, leading up to me finding out. But, you know, I just, I don't know how to, because when you read your Bible, it's, it's easy to discern certain things. Like I can see where we've made mistakes or where we've um, not really communicated well with each other. I'm always um, talking about, um, you know, the word of God and how to apply it and, you know, where I think I've fallen short or where I think we could use a little more help. Well, let me and let me so, help you with some thoughts on this. Let me help you with some thoughts because, again, the radio program is far too much. It's too short for the kind of kind of difficulty you're facing. Um, a couple things: you guys really need to be in a church together. That's a that's watching, listening on the radio, kind of doing things alone, and maybe every once in a while connecting with other believers is secondary to being under the leadership and authority of a of elders pastors in your church that can speak the truth into your lives when you need it. And it sounds like, you know, your husband really needs the truth spoken into his life so that he can learn and grow on how to love you, how to stay pure and holy and committed to you. Uh, and, and, you know, the, secondly, within the fellowship family of God, the Bible says that God has given to you and to me teachers, like those are his spiritual gift to us, to give us teachers. And you guys, it sounds like from your discussion, you need some teaching and some help on what it means to be married, what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a wife, what it means to be a couple that represent the body of Jesus Christ, that represent the relationship between Jesus and his church. And you guys, you're, you're almost like, if you, if you don't make drastic changes right now, it's, it's not going to end very well because you keep getting farther and farther away from the very source of help that God has ordained for you. Um, even, in a, even in a culture of COVID, you know, with, even if you have concerns with COVID, even if you're high risk, you can put on a face covering. The pastor can put on a face covering. You can stay distance. Uh, you guys can stay distance and get counsel that you need for, for a pastor or a seasoned counselor, biblical counselor that can listen to you, help you, uh, answer those questions I'll give you applications, give you homework, help you talk things out. So, because a lot of times, you know, in our marriages, a lot of the difficulties is is we keep arguing and talking, but we're not, we don't hear each other. You need a third party, like a someone that helps sort out what you're thinking, what you're saying, what you're feeling, and then give homework biblically in order to apply the principles that God has for marriage. And and then finally, I want to recommend a book that you should get right away. It is called Married and How to Stay That Way, Married and How to Stay That Way, uh, and it's available wherever you get books. The author is Steve Carr, and I know that the Holy Spirit will encourage you and use that in your life. Bless you, Gentile. All right, let's move on to Greeley, Colorado. Ralph, welcome to the program. Hi there, thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I got a question on... Uh, being being joyful in, uh, in in trying times. Yeah. And um, and so, um, you know, I I was talking about this in my men's group last night, and um, 
I, I didn't really get a lot of clarity in it. Okay. And and, and and this is this is, you know, kind of what I wanted to know is that when when you're going through trial trying times, you know, you we're we're as natural men, you know, we 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 tend to you know show it and to everyone, right? We're moping and and going, oh my gosh, this is not going the way I wanted to, but yet scripture shows that we need to be, uh, you, you know, being able to trust God and, 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 and follow his word, saying that, look, you know, we don't, we don't go around moping around and, and uh, showing our, our, uh, our sadness and our grief and everything, uh, you know, as we're coming into church, you know, and it depends on the, the, the severity of our, our trying times, I'm, I'm, you know, I realize that, but I don't know. It's almost as if it's conflicting a little bit, you know, um, sure. that when when we show up at church or, you know, going and, uh, and, and, and having that sad face. But then on the other hand, you know, you have these people that are going through tough times and yet they, they, they you know, you come and we greet them at the, at the door and, and, and they're putting on this, this front as if everything is going fine. You know, you ask them, how are you doing? Oh, it's fine. And I'm, and I'm kind of a little bit, I'm a little bit confused on how to, how I would, you know, uh, need to be if, if that were me, you know, should, should, should I, should I behave and act like everything's fine or should I, you know, to a point be, be real about it in that five minute, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, engagement with my brothers and sisters at church, right? Well, the, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, the easy, the, there's an easy answer to that, and then there's, of course, there's some complications to it, but the easy answer is you just are going to be honest in the moment. Like, you're going to be a man of integrity, you're going to be a man of honesty, and in the moment that you're asked that question, you have, you, I think, what the expectation of God is to be honest. And I, I believe in honesty, there will be times when you're just in the in a bummer of a place. It's just overwhelming. It's caught up to you, or you came to church to be encouraged because of a bad day, or a bad week, or a bad year, or or even a bad life. And so somebody asks you, how you doing? You know, today's horrible. Um, I feel horrible. I came to get, I came to worship, and I'm, I'm just, pray for me. You know, you, you, you know, you want to be honest, but there could be another day where you come, and in the same circumstances, it's the same situation, um, but you're not so down that day. The joy of the Lord is your strength, and you've been reading the Word, and you've been praying, and you're a lot stronger than you were the previous time. And But all the circumstances are all the same. And somebody comes up to you and says, well, how are you doing? You know, right now I'm doing just fine. I'm doing okay. Yeah, but such and such happened, and this happened, and that happened. Yeah, I know. Now now that you reminded me of it all, you bummed me out. But before you reminded me of it all, like I had a great day. God is good. He's faithful. And we all have troubles. And I think if you approach life, brother, as being honest, even in all the hypotheticals that you come up with, in the moment, you're going to be honest. And and having experienced, you know, great pain in my life and great difficulty, I know there have been times where I haven't been doing well. And I'll say, I'll tell it. And not, you know, not everybody wants to hear it, especially from a pastor. You know, he's like, oh, pastors should always be, you know, and you fill in the blanks. But I just want to be honest and authentic, and that that means some days I'm not doing well, and I'll share it. I don't know how much I'll share, right? I don't know. It depends on who it is. depends on the context. Um, but I can 
I, I, I remember times doing the show, you know, and people are, you know how you just have those normal greetings because we're like talking on the phone right now. It says, well, how you doing, Ed? And I'm like, you know, today's horrible. And it's a little shocking of an answer because you're expecting, oh, I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Um, but but if you choose to be honest, you won't, and, and you, keep, you keep your eyes on the Lord, right? Because joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness has everything to do with your happenings and your circumstances. So when things are going well, we tend to be more happy. But joy is not rooted in our circumstances. Joy is rooted in our faith and our trust in the Lord, our relationship with Him. And because that's rock solid and steady from His part, you know, you can be both unhappy because circumstances stink and fill with the joy of the Lord at the same exact time because you're rooted and grounded in the faithfulness of God. But I say be honest. It's okay to be honest. And you know, you you could go through prolonged seasons of sorrow and sadness. That's just the way it is. It it happens to all of us, unfortunately. And for and if you're more melancholy, you know, if you have a personality that's more melancholy, then your response might be a little more discouraging or down. But at least you're honest and you won't be trying to put up a front. And you know, people do put up fronts. And for a lot of reasons, because, you know, we we as believers, many believers can't handle other people's problems. And we weren't made to do that, but we become so judgmental. And, you know, it's like, if we were you, uh, I would, if it happened to me, I wouldn't respond the same way. Well, it didn't happen to you, so don't worry about it, you know, kind of thing. But just be honest and you, you'll, you'll have no problems. Thank you. You're welcome. And, you know, I think today I'm doing well. I got a lot going on, a lot of difficulties, but today I'm doing just fine. I mean, got a little toothache, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's kind of annoying, uh, but I'm, you know, uh, I'm going to, I love being and uh, doing what God's called me to do. And uh, some days you just endure, some days you enjoy, but all days are from the Lord. Does trusting in God have, is that an aspect of that? Would you say? Yeah, I believe it has everything to do with our perception and understanding and our position of faith with God. Absolutely. Uh, Pastor Chuck Smith would teach us that a lack of faith and, you know, just kind of a backslidden experience or or what we're talking about here, you know, letting things uh, get the best of us and get buried under our grief and sorrow. Um, he says it all begins with a lack of the of the uh, the a lack of the presence of God in our lives, uh, we begin to forget or neglect the reality that God is with us, that He's faithful, that we, we've lost the we've we've lost the ability to acknowledge God in all things, to be anxious for nothing, and by prayer and supplication, you know, make our requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. We've lost our perception. And our he, he uses the word consciousness. We've lost our consciousness of the presence of God in our life. And it happens to all of us. There isn't anyone listening, even the, the more optimistic people with the great per, positive personalities, they too lose the presence and the consciousness of God. And, you know, you know and, 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 and Pastor, we're going to be having a men's retreat here pretty soon. And last, last time I went, you know, I, I was kind of floating around. I didn't want to, for whatever reason, didn't go into these uh, these, these little uh, group sessions, right? And so I was, I, I, I had, for some reason, a calling to go. And 
and to talk with the guys that were sitting on their own on the sidelines. Yeah. You know, and I spent some time with them, and they and, and they they started sharing things, and I I didn't want to. I just listened. Good. Right. And I, I listened to these guys, and they and they and some of them had like a lot like horrible things that were going mm-hmm. on in their life, and I and I wasn't in, in a position to give any counsel. So I just listened, and um, and so I was asking you primarily because I because we're going to do this again, and I'm going to go up there, and and I know I'm going to meet a bunch of guys that are just in a horrible place, mm. and 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 I and I kind of wanted kind of wanted to share a little bit more than than you know what I what I was doing last time was just listening. So yeah, that, I think that's primarily was asking asking this question. Yeah, I really think that your heart to go after those that are alone and struggling and is really good. The Lord's going to use that. You're going to be blessed for it. Um, you're going to be encouraged by it. Um, I'm glad that that's, that's where you're at, Lord. I, I'm glad that the Lord's using you that way. And, you know, just your presence. A lot of times we think we have to say things. We think we have to have all the answers. And you're just your presence. Um, just you being there and caring. The Holy Spirit will use that in someone's life, even when we don't have the right words. I I mean, I talk for a living, and I don't always have the right words, because um, I want to lean into the Lord. I want to trust Him, and sometimes just being with them and praying with them and encouraging them and maybe sharing a scripture, but I don't always have the right answers. I don't, have, I, I don't always have the answers, but I do trust people with the Lord. Even as I've seen Him be faithful in my life, I know He'll be faithful in theirs. All right, bro. I sure appreciate that. Thank you, brother. God bless you, man. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Great questions. It takes me back to the days as a new believer, a couple years, how the Lord used me in men's retreats. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Over to Twin Falls, Idaho. Brian, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for the call. Taking my call. You're welcome. I appreciate your ministry. Uh, you've got some really special gifts, your patience and understanding and and how you truly care. Mm, uh, thank you. I guess what we just were saying uh, ties into this as far as uh, I'm curious when we pray, we're asking God for either blessing, anointing, all the things. You get cancer. Uh, my daughter's going to college. She needs to gonna go to this school, uh, this or this or that. I'm curious. If God is just pulling, not just, pulling six billion strings a minute or a second and tweaking here and tweaking there, and that guy's been drinking, so his car's not going to start at this moment because I don't want him to kill that person. I, I mean, is God doing that continually? Not that he can't, but where is his hand and our hand where do those two meet, and where do they separate? I guess is my yeah. question. Well, you've asked the you've asked the question that has plagued uh, theologians since the beginning of the study of God. You know, this beginning of the study of theology and who God is and how He reacts. You know that I, I think that as we un- try to understand how the sovereignty of God and the free will of man interact, it'll just drive us mad. We we won't be able to answer that because the Bible doesn't answer it. So any answer that we come up with, uh, we'll be trying to piece together different passages, trying to put together 
uh, logical conclusions, because the Bible just doesn't answer that question. Um, But what we do learn is that God is indeed sovereign. Uh, What we do learn in the scriptures is that God indeed is actively involved in the lives of his creation, um, and that he is able to work and does, not just able, but he does work all things together for the good, for those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. And on the other hand, we see the same, a, a similar set of truths when it comes to your decisions and mine, that we are not made, we do not make coerced, forced decisions, but we make decisions based upon our ability to choose. Uh, I've been studying uh, ahead, you know, for our time in Genesis, and a fundamental question has to be asked when it comes to the Garden of Eden, and that is, did Adam and Eve have a real free moral choice, um, or was the choice that they made made against their will, or were they coerced into making that choice? Because if Adam and Eve, apart from sin, didn't have the ability as as the human progenitors, like the ones that are that have gone before us, if, if they did not have a real human choice, um, then, then sin would become God's fault. And we know that's not true, but they had to have a real sin. And then, so some theologians would say, well, you know, they sinned, so that changed their free will. Well, whatever sin did in soiling our relationship between God and man and separating our relationship, it didn't change the ability to make a free will decision. I mean, uh, God will hold us accountable for our decisions, um, good or bad, reward or punishment for our decisions. But how they reconcile, where do they meet? Man, I have no idea. Uh, And I'm, I'm not, I don't even try to figure it out because it's just in the area of mystery. You know, it's in the area of God's ways are higher than my ways. Um, I just know you have two truths that are held in tension. Uh, and as we believe in the God who holds those truths in tension, he'll explain it to us one day. No, I fully agree with that. I guess, uh, you know, I heard you say a couple weeks ago, uh, that you used to live in this place where you, you know, you ask the heavy questions of God and you, oh, yeah. you finally stopped, you finally stopped. And I'm sort of in that uh, place myself where it's time oh, yeah. to, to, uh, just, just, uh, accept some of these things. My, my, it's just in this, in this world that we live in with the word of faith and the, uh, you need to have more faith. And if, you know, I mean, it just seems like the Christians, are turning God into such a genie that that I, I I just wonder about then is it me not you know having enough faith or something along those lines? You well, know? you know I think I think it's important uh, to help sort that out. That's a good clarifying question that you have because in order to point this out, I mean, in order to sort this out, we we need to remember that we operate in the realm of humanity. And we're responsible for our decisions. And God operates in the realm of sovereignty and deity, and He's responsible for His decisions. It doesn't. We're not. We don't cross over. God doesn't make us do anything so that we hold Him accountable for our failures. Um, but also, at the same time, we aren't. Um, we're not involved in the sovereign decisions of God. We we don't under like like for example, a great tragedy hits us. And we go, well, if I was God, I wouldn't have done it this way. Well, we're not God. 
we know we don't operate in his realm. So our response, instead of being upset and going, if I was God, I'd change it. God has given us the response. He says, no, but trust me. Um, I want you to respond to the unknown. I want you to respond to the things you don't see by trusting me, by placing your faith in me, not only for the salvation of your sin, uh, not only for the forgiveness of your sin, salvation of your soul, but also for your everyday life. And and it's just that piece where how do they reconcile? How do they come together? I mean, it's we could spend forever um, spinning around on hypotheticals and we'll never come because God just hasn't... Re- it's, it comes by revelation, um, just like creation, right? Uh, we would never know about creation. Cre- the, the understanding of creation came by revelation, not by knowledge, because nobody was there when it happened. You know, when Moses is writing in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, he received that, the, the whole outline or everything that happened in creation by revelation. We know that because he wasn't there. He wasn't an eyewitness. He's receiving info from God who was there. And I believe it's a similar I believe it's a similar correlation when it comes to, you know, the challenges in um in trying to reconcile these two. So is it, if God is doing things, which we know he is, then our accountability is by how we react to that. A couple that loses their 4-year-old son they can't say, God, this is what happens when you did that. Is it then we are judged by our reaction? Then is that how that works? No, that's a great question. Even more so, we're not we're, we're not held accountable for how we respond to crisis. We're held accountable by how we've responded to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when it comes to the the reality of our eternal soul. You know, and let's put it in that right context. Um, the the response that that the accountability that we we should be most concerned with is what we've done with with Jesus. Now, coming back to your question specifically, uh, parents that are crying out, that are upset, that are frustrated, they might even be blaming God. God actually makes room for those kind of responses. He tells us through Peter, "Cast all your cares upon Him." because he cares for you. He allowed, as we saw, the curtains pull back on the life of Job. You know, he allowed Job to express all kinds of concerns. He had, he allowed Job to express all kinds of things that really weren't reflective of the character of God because he was in pain. I mean, remember, he even let Job's wife respond when she tells her own husband, just curse God and die. You know, what a painful place they both were in. But ultimately, at the end of the book of Job, what do we see? God says, hey, Job, Okay, I, I, I let you, and I've allowed you, and I've entered. I, again, this is paraphrasing, but I've entertained this frustrations and all these cares and concerns. But I, I just want to paint some perspective for you. Where were you when I created this? Where were you when this happened? Like, like Job, trust me, because I'm God. And in this world, Jesus already warned us, so it shouldn't be a surprise. Even though it, it does come as a surprise, you know, my when my son passed away, um, it was excruciating. It was horrific. It still is to this day. And all the dramatic difficulties that surround his loss, it's still horrible today. And and who knows? I'd have to look back at my diary of all the things I cast my care upon the Lord. But the reality is, is that God told me before my son passed away that in this world I'd have tribulation. But to be of good cheer because I'll overcome the world, God, God already told me 
that if I, even if I desire to live a godly life, I'll suffer persecution. I'll go through pain. That sin brings pain. And so, like, I, I, that expression of our emotion, God makes room for that. He receives us, but he doesn't allow us to stay in places, I believe, of falsehood. He's going to bring truth into our lives. He's going to speak in truth into our lives because even after loss and even through grief, God is still going to use us because we're still alive, right? My son passed away, but my other kids are alive. Um, I miss my boy like crazy, but I have children to raise. I have a wife to love. I have a church to serve. Um, I might do that limping now. I might do it a little slower. I might do that a little more pain. Um, but I think that the accountability, you know, God is, if I sow to the flesh, I'm going to reap corruption. But I think God is gracious. And I mean, you look at how Jesus was dealing with people. He met them where they were. He was merciful to them, gracious to them. I believe that's how he deals with you and me and our pain too. Yeah, right on. Right on. Great answer. I appreciate it, man. God bless you, bro. Welcome to uh, Calvary Life family. All right, man. Bye-bye. Right on, man. All right. Great questions today. Brings us to the end of the program. Thanks for calling, everybody. Uh, Started a little slow, but picked up at the end. We're here tonight studying the book of Genesis. Come on out. Last last week, it was a snow day. It was uh, so icy. But you know, people came, man. They said, no, we're coming to Bible study. Well, the weather's much better today. Come on out. CalvaryCO.Church calvaryco.church 7 p.m mountain time if not here go to your local church let's worship jesus together awaiting his soon return lord willing we'll see you tomorrow you've been listening to calvary live tune in next time for prayer and god's word